Blessings to you, my friend. This is Pastor McGee with Empowerment Ministries Christian Center, and you're listening to Empower the City Podcast. I pray today that your hearts are blessed, minds renewed, and you are infused with the passion to serve God like never before. Blessings to you, and enjoy the message. 1 Corinthians chapter number 14, verses number 29. Uh, the Apostle Paul writes to the church of Corinth, and he says, let two or three people prophesy. Somebody shall prophesy. And let the others evaluate what is said. But if someone is prophesying and another person receives a revelation from the Lord, the one who is speaking must, somebody shout, you must be silent. He says, you must stop speaking. Verses number 31, in this way, all who prophesy will have a turn to speak one after the other so that everyone will learn and be encouraged. Remember that people who prophesy are in control. Look at your neighbor, say, neighbor, you are in control. So in other words, you don't have the spirit of, I can't help it. I just had to tell him. I just had to say it. The devil is a lie. God gave you the gift, not so that you, so the gift can control you. He gave you the gift so that you can operate and flow in the gift. Can you say amen to that? So in this way, all who prophesy will have a turn to speak one after the other so that everyone will learn and be encouraged. Remember that the people who prophesy are in control of their spirit and can take turns. 33 says, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the meetings of God's holy people. 34, very interesting, Paul writes, and he says, women should be silent during the church meetings. It is not proper for them to speak. They should be submissive just as the law says. If they have any questions, they should ask their husbands at home, for it is improper for women to speak in church meetings. I say amen, since y'all quiet. Amen. <laughs> Father, I bless you on today, and I thank you so much for your great grace and for your mercy. It is in you today, God, that I live move. Have my very beings. God, I do not want to just go through the motions through this particular moment. But God, I want to be present in the moment so that I can hear all that you have to say and I can effectively communicate it to your people so that all of our lives will be the better. And it is in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody says. So follow me just for a moment, please. Follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me just for a moment. It is <clears throat> July 1, 2020. And someone is recording or transcribing or writing down a conversation that I'm having with another brother. And in this conversation, I say to him, I say, hey man, come over to my crib because we'll be queuing on the 4th. So January 1, 2020, somebody writes this down that uh, Pastor McGee um, talking to a guy. He says, hey, man, come over to my crib because we'll be queuing on the 4th. So let's take this particular word and let's fast forward 2,000 years later. And there is an archaeologist that is rummaging through the remains of North Gulfport. <laughs> and he comes across my letter 2,000 years later, and watch this, uh, this archaeologist, he's a very intelligent man, he's a very smart man, well studied, but he's trying to get the meaning of my letter, and he reads the letter, he says that there's this guy, evidently he's talking to another man, and he says, amen, come over to my crib, come over, come over, come over to my crib, 
because we'll be queuing on the fourth. And the archaeologist says, I got it. So when he stands up before the people, he'll say, I want to explain the culture of 2020. There was a man um, that I read one of his letters, and this man was very, very passionate about children. He was passionate about young people because in his letter, he invited one of his friends over to teach the children alphabets and numbers. Because if you see in the letter, he says, come over to my crib. That means baby cribs because we'll be queuing on the fourth. So he's evidently talking about queuing alphabets, fourth numbers. And as a society, we should be just like the people in 2020, more loving and caring and concerned about our children. Can, can you guys say amen? <laughs> now, you see how far off that he would be because he doesn't understand the jargon. He doesn't understand the culture, and therefore, he gives erroneous interpretation. So this is what he should have done, and this is what I should be doing as a pastor every Sunday, and this is what you should be doing throughout the week because you love Jesus and you love his word. When it comes to the Bible, you should be, you should be asking questions like this. Who is the writer and what is he write? What is his writing themes and tone? Who was the writer? So if I'm going to study the book of uh, Corinth, uh, 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians or whatever, I want to know who's the writer and what's his theme and tone because I'm going to run across several rough spots in the book of Corinthians especially. And, and it seems as though that some things that Paul says contradicts other areas of the scripture. So I want to know who's the writer? Wh who is this guy, Paul? What, are, what is his tone concerning leadership? What's his tone concerning women in ministry? What's his tone concerning women speaking? I want to know who is the audience and what's their situation? Who are the people that he's actually talking to and what's going on in their lives that um, the, the, the occasion arise for the need of him to write to them? I, I asked the question, what did the author actually say? And then not only what did he actually say, what did he mean? And then finally, what did the audience hear when they read the letter? These are all just simple questions that you should be asking as you approach the text. And again, why should you, why should you ask questions like this? Because Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone. But by what, y'all? Every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. So how are you going to live by something that you ain't studying? Because the Bible never teaches us to just read the text. And many of you guys are great readers, but you're very poor studiers. You don't spend time in the word of God. If you're feeling down, you grab you a Proverbs or grab you a Psalms to try to feel better. But you spend no time really trying to exegete and really understand the text. Because at the end of the day, watch this. Jesus spoke to the devil and he said, it is written. And after the third time, him quoting the word, the devil left. And some of you guys, the devil is bombarding your mind and he ain't going nowhere, and you telling the devil he a lie, he's saying, yeah, I am a lie, but you believe a lie because you don't know the truth. And because you don't know the truth, I ain't going. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. Are you? What are you if you don't know what it says? I can do what it says I can. Can you? How can you? How, how, what are you doing if you don't know what it, t it tells you you can do? I'm a believer and not. Are you a believer? Because faith comes by. And hearing by what? The word of God. But if you don't really understand what it's saying, how is your faith actually growing? 
So as a pastor, I should be doing this every single week. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't just be coming together with an emotion. I was telling my wife the other day, God knew what he was doing when he did not give me the gift to sing and gave it to my baby brother, Karki. Because if I could sing, I would not be a teacher. I hooped the whole sermon. The, turn your Bibles. Ah, book of 1 Corinthians. Ah, chapter number 14. Ah, <laughs> I hooped the whole. It'll be so much emotionalism in this place. But because of what I couldn't do and I saw everybody else doing and getting away with it, God made me get into the word of God and get an understanding. So I should be doing this as a preacher, as a pastor, but you should be doing this as a believer because the Bible challenges us all to meditate. Psalms 1 says, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the Lord the Lord, and his law doth he what, y'all? Meditate. How often? Day and So real quickly before we dive into the text, when we look at Paul's theme throughout his writings, throughout the book of uh, both Corinthians and, and the other, I think, 12 or 13 of, uh, epistles, letters that he writes, um, you see a consistency of this particular theme, equality um, amongst the sexes. In, in Galatians 3.28, uh, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no, no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, that doesn't negate the structure that he sets in the home where the husband, somebody shout husbands, husbands should lead their wives. That does not negate that, that structure because he tells them to submit to one another. Although you are the leader of the home as a husband, you're still submitted to one another. And he says husbands are the head of the wives, not men the head of women. Can you say amen to that? He says in Romans 16 and 1, this is powerful, he writes and he gives uh, uh, commendations to a lady by the name of Phoebe, and he calls her a deacon in the church. Now, this word deacon, some, there are some translations that use the term uh, uh, interpretation servant and just try to make her a good worker in the church. But the word in the Greek for deacon is the same word that Paul uses when he writes to Timothy and Titus describing the office of a deacon. So this wasn't just a good sister, a good work in the church. She actually held the office of a deacon in the church. Can you say amen to that? And Romans chapter number 16, verse number 7, he gives commendation again to a woman by the name of Junia, and he, he declares that she is, watch this, she is outstanding among the apostles. He puts her on the platform as one of the other apostles, and he didn't just say she was, she was just one. He says that she was outstanding among them. So Paul, he highlights leaders. Watch this, watch this. He emphasized husbands are leaders in the home, but he does not emphasize that men are leaders over women. So although I could lead, watch this, although I could lead my wife and should lead my wife in the home, she could be my boss on the job, and God is absolutely okay with that. So sisters, if you are in a leadership position in society, in the job, in the ministry, or whatever, don't be intimidated by the dumb stuff that brothers, especially brothers, try to throw at you, and sometimes your own sisters to degrade you. Can somebody say amen to that? So let's get into the text, man, and um, see what it is that God is trying to say. God is good. God is good. Book of 1 Corinthians, chapter number 14, verses number 1. Here, here's another thought I want to throw at you. Um, so when I get ready to deal with the text and the way God deals with me, um, 
as far as preaching, teaching, God gives me an idea or direction to go in. And then I pray and wait on him, and he gives me scripture, a text that supports the idea of where he wants me to go. What my responsibility is, is to pray and to search out to the text to see what he's trying to say about this particular subject or this thought. So he highlights in my spirit 1 Corinthians 14, 34. But how many know you can't really just study verse number 34 to get the meaning? You got to study all of 14 and in some regards all of the book of 1 Corinthians to understand what he's saying. So I got this letter one time. And, and at the end of the letter, my girlfriend said to me, I love you with all my heart. She ended the letter chat just like that. I love you with all. Here's the problem. Had I went to the end of the letter and just read, I love you with all my heart, I would have left and bought her roses. But early in the letter, she said, it's not you, but it's me. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. And she dumped me in the letter. And too many times when it comes to the Bible, we go to a particular text and we fail to put the text within the context of the rest of the chapter, the rest of the book, and sometimes even the rest of the Bible. And that's what I want to do today. I want to take this particular text and put it within context of what the Apostle Paul is writing. Y'all bear with me. Paul writes and he says, pursue love, earnestly desire. Keep me on my time today, okay? I'm sure y'all will. I was talking to Chapman. (laughs) Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may, what, y'all, prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters, what, y'all, mysteries in the spirit. He utters, he utters mysteries in the spirit. It, it was interesting. My wife, um, the, the, I guess about a month ago, I was having a dream. And um, in the dream, I was casting out a demon, and, and, I, and I woke up, and, and it's like it was just so real and so vivid to me. Um, and um, my wife said, she said, you know you're talking in your sleep? And I said, well, that's interesting because I, I just dreamed I was casting out a demon. And um, later on, she gave me the rest of it. She says, no, when you were, when you were talking, it, this wasn't just talking. She said, you were doing something I never heard you do like that before. She said, you were speaking in tongues in your sleep. I said, well, you've heard me speak in tongues before. I mean, was it just like tongues, tongues? She said, no, no, no. It's like you were speaking another language fluently in your speech in, in your while you were asleep. And it was funny because um, it's been a long time since I've done that because I used to do it all the time in college, and it literally freaked my roommate out. Jacques Gordon, if you're watching this, I'm, I apologize, sir. <laughs> I was just trying to p- pursue and seek after God. There'd be times I'd wake up and Jacques would be like. (laughs) (laughs) Because it was a common practice for me to speak in tongues in in my sleep. Um, God is good. Help me stay focused, Lord. For for one who speaks in tongues speaks not to men but to who, y'all? To God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their what, y'all? 
upbuilding, so prophetic speeches for the upbuilding of the congregation, encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up him, somebody shout himself, builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the what, y'all? Builds up the church. Now I want you all to, somebody shout everybody. So Paul says, I want you all to speak in tongues. I, I want you all to speak in tongues and, and understand Understand that when it comes to tongues, I'm going to define it within the context of chapter number 14, but there's a lot that can be said about both prophecy and tongues. Um, but in particular, when it comes to tongues, there is one extreme that, that they're known as cessationists that believe that tongues don't exist anymore. Uh, my problem with that was when Paul writes in chapter number 14 of 1 Corinthians, he don't seem to think so. <coughs> he still thinks that people are still speaking in tongues. Um, so, so there's there's one extreme group that believes that they're they're known as cessationists, and then there's another extreme group when it comes to tongues that you ain't even saved until you spoke in tongues. Tell them you saved if you want. You saved? Yeah, I'm saved. Prove it. What you mean? Speak in tongues right now. And you better come up with the she coming in a Honda, he coming in a Mitsubishi, Kawasaki. Come on. You better come with ABCD, ABCD. You better say something. The cessationist, that's not God's, that's not the text. Neither is the one that's trying to prove their salvation when it comes to, no, that's not the text at all either. Um, I'm going to define it in just a moment. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone, what, y'all? Unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. So when it comes to the gift of prophecy that Paul is talking about, we're defining it again within context of chapter number 14. It is inspired speech that renders either a special message or reveals the heart of the hearers. So um, uh, prophetic speech um, from me, you'll probably get every Sunday some, some form of prophetic speech because I'm going to tell you what God says, or there'll be times, and it's real crazy, that uh, an example will just, I mean, it'll just come, and I'll just play out the storyline that I'm seeing in my head, and it, it'll always be somebody that come up to me, and they'll say, Pastor, it's like you was just talking to me today, and, and what that is, that is prophetic speech that God gives me something that reveals the heart of the hearer. That's, that's the gift of prophecy that the Apostle Paul is referring to. The second form of speech is gifts of tongues. And I'm, in, I'm defining gifts of tongues, again, within the context of chapter number 14. Number one, somebody shout, it's inspired. So what's inspired, that doesn't mean that it's practiced. It's, 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 not, it's not, you don't, some of y'all, stay, stay focused, Pastor McGee. Some, some folk practice what they, how they're going to say it and how it sounds. And the jerks that they're going to do so they can seem a little bit more spiritual. The devil is absolutely a lie. Somebody shout, it is inspired. Now, being inspired doesn't mean that you're out of control. The Holy Spirit, I heard uh, Pastor uh, Matheny say that the Holy Spirit doesn't come down and just wag your tongue and make you speak. No, you hear the words, but uh, Acts chapter number 2 says that they uttered. So as they heard, they spoke out what they were hearing in the, on the inside in their hear, ears. Can you say amen to that? So it is of God. It's inspired. Number two, it's unintelligible speech. So what you are speaking, you yourself don't understand. So I love to hear Sister Yuka speak, um, pray in uh, Japanese. Sometimes when she up here, I tell her, just go at it. Just pray in Japanese. Too funny. Get chill bumps when she pray in Japanese. <laughs> but when she prays in Japanese, that is not tongues because it's understandable to her. 
when she prays in English, it's not tongues. That's, that's, it's not the gift of tongues that is understandable to her. The, the gifts that the Apostle Paul is talking about here, um, he'll write earlier in chapter number 12, he says, though I, though I speak with the tongues of men or an angel, he's talking about the gift of tongues. Or he's talking about either the, the ability to speak another language or a heavenly or angelic language. So it is inspired, unintelligible speech that, watch this, that builds the faith of the speaker and or communicates truth to others when interpreted. It builds my spirit or when there is an interpreter available, it encourages the congregation. Uh, one, one of our uh, things that we do here at EMCC, our vision is that we want people to what, y'all? Know God, find freedom discover purpose, to the end their lives make a difference. And the, one of the ways we live out that first point of our vision statement of knowing God is that we want to provide a seeker-friendly environment on a Sunday morning. Can somebody say amen to that? I want the lost to wander up in here. I want people who are far from God but want to know him to come up in the place. So one of the things that I, I communicate, I communicate to staff, anybody that's got a micro microphone, our leaders, when, when you feel the need of tongues, drop the mic. Just drop the mic and go for it. Go, you, you drop the mic or pass the mic and go for it because the people who are far from God don't understand what you're saying. And we're trying to communicate truth to them, not spook them out. So if there's no interpreter, we drop the mic. But I'm one, I speak in tongues quite often. Very rarely are you going to hear me speak in tongues on, across the pulpit unless, and, and it's been very, 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 very few times that I've spoken in tongues and God gives me interpretation. Um, for me, I'd rather just prophesy because you can't speak in tongues, ask for the interpretation, and then God gives the message. I skip right to it, and God gives, usually gives me a prophetic um, utterance or a prophetic speech. So, so. Not often do I do that, but I do use tongues to build my faith. I'm not going to go into the, the mechanics of what actually happens and how, how it's building you up, but tell, let me tell you, somebody shout, it works. So Paul is going to speak to this a little bit more clearly here. He says, this is good. This is good. Yeah. 1 Corinthians 14, 4, the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. Jude 20 says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. So when we get to verse number 23, this is what Paul's going to do. So he's, he's highlighted the gift of prophecy, prophetic speech. He's highlighted tongues. Now he's going to give instructions concerning tongues and prohibitions concerning tongues. He's going to give instructions concerning prophecy and prohibitions against speaking prophetically. Verse number 23, the Bible declares, if therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say you are out of your mind? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so, falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. Can somebody say amen to that? Verse number 27, Paul writes, and he says, If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or at most three, 
and each in turn and let someone interpret. But watch this. If there is no one to interpret, let each of them do. Somebody shall keep silent. Paul says when it comes to publicly speaking in tongues, because tongue, it edifies your spirit or it communicates a message to the hearers when there is an interpreter. Paul says if there is no interpreter to help the people understand what you're saying in another language, be it naturally or spiritually, if there's no interpreter, then you should, somebody shall keep silent. Keep silent in the church and speak to himself and to God. 29 says, let two or three prophets speak and let the other weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first somebody shall be silent. Boy, I love the Bible. I love the Bible. He says, let two or three prophets speak. Let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, don't, don't, don't all y'all try to prophesy at the same time. And, and, and you, know, you, know, you know how it is. You know, matter of fact, you know how it is in a conversation. You have a conversation with a brother, and you're ready to interject. And you know how you can shut him down so you can get your words out. But he, he shuts down out of courtesy, but he's not finished giving. That's, that might be okay in conversation, but it's not okay when it comes to one declaring what God is saying in this particular hour. You're trying to shut him down so you can say what God is telling you to say. But we're missing what, the ma- what God might be saying through the first speaker because you're impatient. So he says, let the first be what, y'all? Be silent. 32 says, and the spirit of prophets are subject to, well, pastor, I just can't help it. I got to say it. The devil is a liar. You should be in control of your gift. And the gift should not be controlling you. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace as in all the churches of the saints. Now, here it is. The women should be, should somebody shall keep silent. There it is. Keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission as the law also says. If there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is, Paul is bold about this, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Now, now watch this, watch this, watch this. Go with me just for a second. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Verses number five, Paul says, all y'all can speak in tongues. That's what he said. He didn't say all y'all, all the men can speak in tongues. Everybody can speak in tongues. Verse number 31, he says, you can all what, y'all? Prophesy. He didn't just say men can prophesy alone, but he said, Everybody can prophesy. We read in chapter number 11, verses number 4 and 5, every man who, what, prays and what, y'all, prophesy. He's not talking about privately praying and privately prophesying in the church. The context is in the church. Every man who prays and prophesies, there's a certain, there's a certain uh, uh, a function of what, how he wants you to do it. We talked about head coverings last week. Not going to highlight that. And then verse number 5, he says, every wife that what, y'all? Praise and prophesy. So this is publicly speaking in front of the church. So how is it, Paul, you said all can prophesy, all can speak in tongue, every man that prays and prophesy, every woman that prays and prophesy. Then you get to chapter number 14, verse number 34. Now you're telling the sisters to be quiet. So either Paul is contradicting and confusing himself and us, or maybe there's something we're missing in the text. I think it's something we're missing in the text. 
And I'm getting ready to show you what we're missing in the text. There are three forms of speech in this text, and there are three silent restrictions within the text of chapter number 14. Three forms of speech that Paul highlights, and there are three silence. Three times he's going to tell three groups of people to keep silent in the church. The first form of speech is tongues. And he's going to say, all of y'all can speak in tongue, but, let me clarify that, all of y'all can publicly speak in tongues, both men and women, but if there is no interpreter, I want all of those who speak in tongues to keep silent because nobody else knows what you're saying. Then he's going to say, all of y'all, both men and women, can prophesy. But if a prophet is already speaking, if a word comes to you and it's not your turn to speak, I need you to keep silent in the church. The third form of speech that we miss in the text, and it's plainly there, is called prophetic judging. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, 29, let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. NLT says evaluate, KJV says judge what it says. Here's the definition of prophetic judging. Prophetic judging is the public evaluation of the accuracy of a prophetic word after it has been spoken. Jamal, come here just for a second. My brother, come here just for a second. Yeah, you come, 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 come. Tell me your name again, sir. Xavier. Xavier. And you are? And you are? So we have Xavier, we got Prophet Xavier, Prophet Jamal, Prophet Devin. Y'all bless the Lord for the prophets of the house. Bless, bless the Lord for the prophets of the house. Brothers, who going to speak first? Who going to speak first? Jamal is a senior prophet. <laughs> but they all start prophesying at the same time. So who's going to speak first based on personality? Who said Devin? <laughs> oh, Devin, they throwing you out there, man. So Devin is going to prophesy. Go ahead and point your finger. Say, Asha. <laughs> he finna give you a word, y'all. Devin is going to prophesy. All of these are prophets. God says all of you guys can prophesy. This is so good. Whitney, come on up here. This is so, ooh, yeah, this is great. This is great. Y'all stay here. Thank you. Prophetess Whitney. Bless the Lord for the prophetess in the house. So this is what the Bible says. All of y'all can prophesy. Both men and women can prophesy. Devin starts prophesying first. He gives, thus says the Lord. This is what God is saying in this particular hour. And after he prophesies publicly, according to scripture, this is what should happen with his pub public word. Come stand here. Stand here. Sir, stand. Face him. 
face him. Because he gave a public word, it must be publicly judged. For the accuracy of the prophetic word. Y'all get back in position. Watch, watch this, watch this. Jack Hayford, he says, in order to preserve balance and prevent confusion in the worship service, Paul regulates prophecies. Other, others present are to judge the authenticity of the prophetic utterance. The judging includes its content, alignment with God's word, and relevancy to the meeting. So he gives a word, and after giving a word, the scripture says the other three prophets that are present that hear the word, they are the judge to see the content of the word. Now watch this. There is a potential of public validation or public humiliation. Because just like you're saying God gave you the word, God is holding these men and women, watch this, responsible to make sure that's what's being communicated to the rest of the, that you say you got from God. He's holding them responsible to make sure that what's communicated is of God. And it is, if it is of God, they will validate it and say amen. If it is not of God, they're not going to do it quietly. You will be one embarrassed brother. Can somebody say amen to that? So watch this. Ooh, this is so good. This is so good. This is so good. Jamal, hold that thing out, sir. Hold that thing out. Say, ah, yeah. <laughs> Jamal is getting ready to give a prophetic word. And this is what the Bible says. Watch this. Everybody can speak in tongues, all of y'all. Tongue, tongue, tongue. All of y'all can speak in tongues. But there's no interpreter. So I want y'all to keep silent. All of y'all can prophesy. But one at a time. So if Jamal's going to prophesy, point that finger. If he's going to prophesy, I need the rest of y'all to do what, y'all? Here's the third form of speech. Jesus, this is so good. When it comes to prophetic judging, Paul places a restriction. When it comes to prophetic judging... When Jamal prophesies, you too can judge. But I don't want your wife to publicly humiliate you if you're wrong. So this is what I'm going to say to Whitney. Whitney, you can prophesy because all can prophesy. You can speak in tongue because all can speak in tongue. But when it comes to publicly evaluating and judging your husband's word, Wives, keep silent in the church. Because how are you going to publicly strip him of his manhood and then go home and be a submissive wife to him and he have the boldness to lead you into godliness and righteousness when you were the one who publicly humiliated him. Now, if he was wrong, he needs to be checked, but God says, I just don't want you to do it. So watch this. Concerning prophetic judging, wives keep silent in the church. Now, now y'all have, y'all, can y'all give it up for the prophets in the house? Watch, watch this, watch this, watch this. Whew, this is good. 
So in Ephesians chapter number five, verse number 22, it says, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. Somebody shout wives. Wives. For the husband is the head, head of the wife. Okay. We define headship as leadership. Now watch this. In the Greek, the same word wife, wives, in chapter number five, verse number 22, is the same Greek word that Paul uses in 1 Corinthians 14, 34, when the interpreters say women. It's the same word. So he's not just talking to wives generally. He's talking specifically, excuse me, he's not talking to, to, to women in general. He's speaking directly to the wives. Same word. And when it comes to, watch this, wives should keep silent. What do you mean keep silent? I, you, you told me that I can speak, I can prophesy. You told, me, you told me that I can speak in tongues. So what are you talking about? When it comes to judgment, I want you to keep silent. For it's not permitted for you to speak. What do you mean speak? Prophesy? No. You're talking about tongues? No. It's, I'm not permitting the ladies, the wives, to judge their husbands publicly. If there's anything they desire, if you got a problem with what he say, and believe me, I got a sister that will take it to the... <laughs> you take it to the house. And you ask your husband about that word that he gave. Because Paul is serious about this. It is a shame for a woman of God. It's an embarrassment. It's, it's, it's a horrible witness to the rest of the community for you to be the one to stand up and publicly embarrass your husband. He's going to get it, but let another brother do it and let not you be the one to handle this. Sisters, I need you to just look at another sister and say, let it go for now. Some of y'all kept your head down. I'm going to look this way. Some of y'all kept your head down. And didn't say nothing, and you didn't. And when the sister said something to you, you just you just didn't say nothing. I'm 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 gonna help you. I'm gonna help you. Let me help you. Every sister right now, find another sister somewhere, and I need you to look them in the eyeballs. Everybody got a who ain't got a sister who ain't got a sister who ain't got a sister. I need you to find. If you need to get up out your seat. Go find you a sister somewhere. And I need you to look that sister in the eyeballs and communicate what I know God is saying right now. Look at him and tell him there are times when you need to just let it go. If the sisters won't clap, can I get the brothers to put their hands together? <laughs> God is speaking. <laughs> he has evaluated the word. Thank you, Jesus. 
no, 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 watch this. Ooh, ooh. So, so here, here's the prophetic word. Here's the prophetic word. So God pricked my spirit with this word <sighs> several weeks ago, uh, honoring him, loving her, honoring him, loving her. And, and I need the sisters. I need y'all to be patient with me uh, because I got one more message in particular for the sisters, and then I'm going to spend three weeks just talking to the brothers. Give me, just give me one more message. Don't be thinking, well, pastor just beating up on, no, 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 no. No, matter of fact, I think I have to be just, not just, I have to be hard on my brothers. I do. I have to. Because if God is asking you to be the leader in the home, if it wrecks, he ain't looking, he, if, watch this, if, if it wrecks, he's first going to say, Adam, where art thou? I will talk to Eve and address what she did. But if it all goes to ashes, the first person I'm going to call to accountability is Adam. Hmm? Nope. Nope. That's good. You guys, come here again. Come, come here. Come here. Y'all so wonderful. Y'all so wonderful. Wait, stand, stand, stand right there at that stair. Okay. Jamal, come, come here. This is what God told me. Watch this. This title, this message comes from uh, Ephesians chapter 5, where Paul says, submit to one another. He says, submit to one another. And then verse number 33, he gives the example or the illustration of what mutual submission actually looks like. And it looks like the husband's choosing to love their wives and the wives making a choice to respect their husband. Hence, honoring him, loving her. So this is what I heard God say. This is what I heard God say. I heard God say, ladies, I want to exalt you, but not at the expense of you disrespecting and dishonoring him. That, that's what I heard. I, I'm going to say this in a couple of weeks because, brothers, we're getting ready to get an exaltation too. And you can see this easier in men than you can in women because when we, when we go after the money, when we go after the job, after the career, after personal goals, we can sometimes be so consumed in what we're doing that we fail to show them So exaltation is coming, but understand what I am doing in your life in the community, what I'm doing in your life in the church, what I'm doing in your life in other organizations. I am going to do it. I want to do it, but I'm not going to do it at the expense of you, sir, failing to love her and you, ma'am, failing to give him. You'll see that. So watch this. Watch this. Y'all come. Y'all come here. Come here. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, there are just a couple of things I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episodes will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, if this ministry has impacted your life in any way and you'd love to help us to continue to impact the lives of others, go to our website, empowerthecity.org, and select Give Now. Thank you again for listening to this podcast. We'll see you next time.